up, everybody? We are at a point in our study where the world has been rid of all unbelief. The devil has been defeated once and for all. He has been judged and cast into the lake of fire, uh, joining the rest of the unholy trinity where they will be tormented forever and ever. This seven-year cleansing period that takes place just before the final judgment of the of the dead or the unbelievers is the only time in human history that that only believers walk the earth with no influence from Satan or his demons. It is it is possibly as close as we will ever get to the time of the garden when Adam and Eve walked the earth before their before their fall. That is because what is to come after the judgment exceeds what Adam and Eve experienced in the garden. Uh, And it may be similar in some respects, but it is vastly different from anything uh, anyone has ever experienced in human history going all the way back to the garden. So let's jump in and see what the scriptures have to say. Revelation 20 verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who, who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled away from his presence, and there was no place for them. Let's address that last part first. John says that the earth and heavens fled away from his presence, talking about Jesus, and there was no place for them. They literally vanished from existence. The heavens refer to you know outer space, the universe. So the universe and the earth and all the planets, everything vanishes and ceases to exist. So the only place that we can be at this moment is in heaven where God resides outside of space and time. It is truly fascinating to think about, but let's move on. John begins here with seeing a great white throne, which is where we get the name, the great white throne judgment. And he saw him who is seated on it. You might naturally think this is God, the father seated on the throne, but it is actually Jesus at this point, no one can look upon the Father yet. That will come at the end when we talk about the new heavens and new earth. But also, Scripture tells us that God made Jesus judge over all. John five twenty one through 22 says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he, who he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Then in Acts 10, verse 42, it says, He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. So we can conclude that Jesus sits upon this great white throne, ready to judge the dead and and the fallen, which we'll come back to later. And rightfully so, because he earned the right to judge all since he died for all, and those being judged stood in opposition of his sacrifice. Okay, ultimately they refused to put their faith in him, therefore they opposed him. At this judgment uh, is also where you will see every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, but it won't save the unbelievers at this point because they will be just admitting what is what is self-evident at this point. Now, John continues with Revelation 20, verse 12, and it says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. This is something that is often skimmed over. All we tend to focus on is the book of life and how if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, then you're cast into the lake of fire. And that's it. 
But look closer and you will see that uh, it says that all those standing before the throne, you know, they're all standing there and books, that's plural, were uh, books were opened. Then John says another book was opened, which is the book of life. So the other books are already opened when the Lamb's book of life is opened. There is much speculation to what these books contain. The book of life is the only one that we are certain of the contents. It is full of the names of all who have placed their faith in Jesus and have been granted entry into the family of God. Now, what are the other books for then? And John says they are uh, the, the people, the unbelievers, are judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. There are two possibilities that have been proposed. One possibility is that each person is recited all the sinful things they did and then are, are judged for them. Can you imagine how long that will take for, to to go through, you know, literally billions, if not more people, and you got to read out everything that they ever did wrong? I mean, I can't imagine uh, how long that would take, not to mention how many books that it would take to record all that. Um, and we can't, you know, we can't get to the new heaven and new earth part until this is done. You know, I know there is no rush for time, but it just doesn't seem likely. You know, another possibility, which I am more inclined to believe, is that the books that are opened before the throne are perhaps the the Torah, the books of the law. Without Jesus covering them, they are held to the law and judged according to it. This would be a much shorter judgment because no one can keep the law perfectly. That is why Jesus died on the cross for us. Only he could keep the law perfectly and stand as our substitute. So at this point, you know, all it would take is for one sin to be read out. You know, just mention one sin that person did. And after naming that one sin, that person is considered a lawbreaker and stands condemned according to the law. This is why it is so important to understand what Jesus did on the cross for us. Without him, we would be held to the law, and we would all be doomed as lawbreakers and would be judged according to the law. Now, record, regarding the book of life, if Jesus knows their names are not in the book, why even bother opening it? Because this is a gesture meant to show confirmation that these souls are being judged have not been saved by grace. They never put their faith in, in him. So they will now be judged according to the law where they will certainly be found guilty because remember, they didn't come under his covering. They didn't accept the sacrifice that he made. And so they're not covered and protected by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, they will be held to the law. Revelation 20, 13 says, The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had or what they had done. Okay, there is a few things going on here. First, he says, The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And this statement is separated from the following statement that combines death and Hades. The sea is often a euphemism uh, for the abyss or place demons were are held, which you know is next to Hades in the center of the earth or Sheol. As you might remember from our earlier study uh, in Revelation, where we talked about the abyss, you know, and even demons that Jesus encountered when he walked the earth uh, during his ministry, even they mentioned the abyss and were worried that he was going to send them into it. So, the sea is a reference to the abyss. You know, the Hebrew word to home 
can be translated as pit or abyss, or it can be translated as sea. So the abyss will give up the demons or fallen angels so that they can be sentenced uh, for their rebellion and thrown into the lake of fire with their, with their leader who is already there. Then John says, death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. These two are mentioned together because they refer to all human souls that died in unbelief since the, since the time of the garden. Hades being referring more to the actual place where those souls have been kept uh, throughout all of human history. Uh, but death is mentioned to symbolize the hold that death had on them is now broken. So death can no longer hold uh, that soul um, and neither can you know the place of Hades. So they release their grip and Hades is emptied out and death is no more. All of creation from the beginning of time, from humanity to angels, now stand before Jesus. The fallen are sentenced, you know, straight into the lake of fire with, you know, along with all the uh, unbelievers whose names are not found in the Lamb's book of life. Verse 14 through 15 says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. John says death and Hades are thrown in, into the lake of fire, uh, so they will never again. There will never again be death or a holding place for the dead, because all have now been given eternal bodies and cannot die. The unbelievers, along with the fallen angels and the unholy trinity, are in the lake of fire, where they will reside for eternity, and they will reside in torment for eternity. So death and Hades. Excuse me. Death and Hades will have no purpose anymore. Therefore, they will be done away with. Think about this for a second. The unbelievers are given eternal bodies like the believers, meaning they have flesh and bone and can feel but cannot die. And they will be thrown into the lake of fire alive, just like the false prophet and antichrist were, uh, according to Revelation 19.20. This is the second death. The first death was a physical death due to sin entering creation. But the second death is a spiritual death, meaning eternal separation from God's presence. Now, wrap your head around this one. The earth and the heavens or the universe have vanished and were, and we are all in, you know, in the heaven where the throne judgment takes place. Everything else has vanished from existence Yet the lake of fire exists because the unholy trinity is there and all unbelievers are sent there for eternity. That being said, the lake of fire cannot be in the center of the earth as one might think, but instead it must exist in the heavenly realm outside of our sight. Revelation 14, 10 through 11 says, They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. This is what was said about those who took the mark of the beast, and we know they suffered the same final judgment as all unbelievers. So that means that the lake of fire and burning sulfur or brimstone exists in the heavenly realm outside of space and time. So when God creates the new heaven and earth, this lake of fire will still exist because the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. As you will see in the next episode when we talk about the new heaven and earth, there is scripture that alludes to the fact that this lake of fire is outside the city, um, referring to the new Jerusalem. 
So somewhere outside the city will exist a lake of fire. Who I'm not sure where exactly, but it because it doesn't say. But it is still in the heavenly. It could be still in the heavenly realm somewhere that only God, Jesus, and the angels can see it. Or it could be somewhere on the new earth that we can't see or get to, but only they can see it. It doesn't clarify that, but it does still exist. So as we close out chapter 20 in our study of Revelation, let me say this. Luke 21, 33 says, Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus can make the entire universe vanish from existence, and yet we are sustained and protected because of his word. His word never fails. It can never be defeated. It is eternal. It creates life and sustains it. Join me for the next episode as we begin to wrap up this study on Revelation. We will unpack chapters 21 and 22, completing the study, and then I will do a final episode giving an overall timeline of the events starting from the rapture, all the way to Eden being restored. Let me just say this. The details given regarding the new heaven and earth and the new Jerusalem are breathtaking and vastly different than anything we have ever known or could even imagine. And much remains a mystery on top of that, but we will have an eternity to discover its wonders. God, thank you so much for all that you do. I stand in awe of you, Jesus. Your word describes things in a way that our finite minds can tr- can only try to grasp. But in reality, what is to come will be more than what our natural minds can even comprehend. I am grateful for your word. By your word, everything was created and has life. And for eternity, you will sustain us with your word. Even today, no matter what happens to us or what we face, it is your word that protects us. It is your word that compels us. It is your word that allows us to stand against the enemy. Yet we don't always study your word. We aren't always faithful to it. Stir our hearts, Lord. Awaken our spirits. Put a burden for the truth in our soul and cause your people to rise up and walk in your ways, declaring your truth. And let us all learn to be students of the word and help us to share the truth of what is to come. Your word says that those who study Revelation and share its message will be blessed. And may we all be doers and not just hearers of the word. But in all things, God, let us praise your name, the name above all names. Amen.